Hello, I'm Sven Erstring. Welcome to Let God Speak. Newborn babies are just so adorable, aren't they? All of their gestures and gurgling sounds are so incredibly cute. And when they look up at you, smile and reach out their little hands, you can't stop your heart from melting. It makes you stop and think, though. Could they really start off as sinners? Was the original sin passed on down to them all the way from Adam and Eve through their parents? To discuss this fascinating topic, we have Rosemary Melkovich. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Mike Browning as well. Good to have you on our panel. Before we head into the Bible, let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, we just recognize that this world is a mess. And also sometimes, so often our lives are a mess as well. And Lord, we want to dive into the reality of who we are and what you are calling us to do. And Father, I pray for anyone watching this program today that this message would speak to to their hearts. Father, that they may experience your invitation and want to accept it today as we discuss this incredible biblical topic is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, in 380 AD, a tall and rather fat scholar by the name of Pelagius traveled from England to Rome. The rumors were, though, that he was actually from Ireland. And that's why the church priest Jerome began telling people that Pelagius was stuffed with Irish porridge, perhaps because he was trying to explain why he was so large. In spite of all the gossip and rudeness, Pelagius managed to live a, a very upright and moral life. There is a risk, though, when you're a pretty good person. Pelagius began to look down on other people who didn't live up to his own moral standards. He believed that the problem lay in the fact that Augustine was teaching people that they were born sinners and that they could only be saved by grace. According to Pelagius, babies were naturally pure and just needed a really good example to stay on the straight and narrow. Rosemary, the fact is this, is that the Bible actually tells us a very, very different perspective. And we think of King David, um, who was described as a man after God's own heart. And yet he had a different understanding. And what was that understanding of our condition as human beings? Well, we've got to turn to Psalm 51, which was the psalm he wrote when he realized his guilt before God with Bathsheba. And in verse five, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. Now, he's not saying that his mother conceived him. And so she was a sinner. Mm. He's talking about the fact that even when we're born, we're born with a natural attraction to sin. His parents were sinners. Mm. And by the virtue of coming into this world, he also was attracted to sin and a sinner. Mm. So perfect little babies um, are not free from sin. We are born with a selfish attitude, wanting what we want. Mm. 
And, and Mike, this is, this is what King David said in, in Psalms. And I guess the, the question is, well, that's, that's one perspective in Psalm 51. But is this a consistent teaching in the Bible? Do we find it elsewhere in the Bible? Yeah, in the New Testament, it's the same message, which is rather interesting. And you'd expect that consistent message. Um, I'm looking here at Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, where the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin, he's making it very plain here. Yes, and while he it is. started with one person, it did indeed go down through the generations. And that's why we all, all sin because we are sinners mm, mm. and have a sin problem. It's like a spiritual pandemic mm. that's infected every single human being since then, except for Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's also the other verse as well. Uh, Romans 6, verse, verse 20. Um, uh, 3, verse 23. 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, and, and the question is, is there any hope? Does the Bible give us hope? Well, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the very next verse in Romans 3, verse 24, tells us being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God gives us his grace and redeems us he forgives us. He sets us free from sin. It's just like if we look at Ephesians 2, 8, it says that we are justified or, or set free by the free gift of God's grace. Mm. And so grace is a free gift from God. So, yes, we can have hope. Mm, fantastic. You know, the fact is uh, that Pelagius was on the wrong spiritual track. And we are all born, according to what both of you have said uh, today, we are, we are born um, sinners with a sinful nature. Um, what we're going to explore today is this. We're going to explore what the Bible teaches is the next step that we need to take, the step that we, we need to move out of this spiritual condition of sin. And that is a step called repentance. The biblical word is repentance. And, and Mike, I just wanted to ask you, you know, say if someone is listening to our program today, mm. watching it, and they don't have a, a, a bit a long background in the Bible, much experience in the Bible. And so this big word repentance is not something that you necessarily would find on Facebook or, or Twitter. How, how would you explain to someone what the word repentance mean? What does it, what does okay. it involve? Okay, it's many faceted. It's an acknowledgement of who we are and of the fact that we need to deal with that mm. and acknowledge where we are and, and do something about it. And um, just to illustrate that, that fact, um, it's an established fact that 75% of men can point to north. 25% cannot. And the interesting thing is, Rosemary, that it's the other way around with women. Women, 25% of women can point to north and 75% can't. Now, I happen to be one of the 25% of men who cannot point to north. Um, I'm legendary in my family for heading south down the, mo the motorway, thinking I'm heading north, 
Um, <laughs> that, can, that can happen. That can be a problem. That can be a big problem. And there's only one thing to do. By the way, I'm redeemed because my wife is one of the 25% who can, amongst <laughs> women, point to north. So she navigates our drive. Sense of direction. But the point is, if you're going the wrong direction and become aware of it, there's only one thing to do. You've got to do a U-turn and turn right around. And that's true in the spiritual sense as well. Mm. Um, and repentance, that's what repentance is. Repentance recognises um, I have a problem. I'm going the wrong direction with my life and turning right around and going the other direction and now having a, a God-focused life. That's repentance. Mm. Mm. So, so Rosemary, th that's a powerful example, Mike. Rosemary, is this concept of, of turning around, doing a U-turn, is it found in the Bible? Is it a biblical concept? Yes, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. Where Paul writes this. He says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So if you have what he terms a godly sorrow that Ooh. leads you to repent, in other words, you are really sorry for what you've done and that you've hurt other people, not because you're going to have some consequence against you, but because of what you have done and hurt others and hurt God, then you can repent Mm. and be redeemed. If there's a, a thing I wrote here, it says godly sorrow is a realization of the grief and the pain that you have caused. And it leads us to repent of our sins. And that brings salvation. Amazing. Mm. Mm. So, so you pointed out the godly sorrow in that text. But Mike, it also talked about uh, worldly uh, the sorrow of the world, worldly mm. sorrow. Can, mm. can you expand on that for us? Mm, I can. I, there is a difference, a very important difference. Mm. And true repentance leads us, as you just said then, Rosemary, to be sorry just because we have, we have offended and hurt God mm. and perhaps human beings as well in the process of that. And it's a recognition of that and then wanting to have something done about it. Worldly sorrow um, recognizes that there are negative consequences mm -hmm. and and responding to that. Um, and yes, there are negative consequences for sin, but it's more than that. It's the fact that we have offended and, and let God down. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just interesting to look at the experience of Judas in Matthew chapter 27 here, because Judas, as we um, most people would know, betrayed Jesus. And, it was, and so Jesus was taken prisoner and was heading for the cross because Judas had done this. Um, when Judas realized the enormity of what he had done, he was sorry. And it says this here, and this is Matthew 27, verse 3. Judas, his betrayer, seeing that Jesus had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. So he realized mm. what a terrible thing he'd done. Mm. And they said, what's that to us? That's your problem. And he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and then got on his knees and asked God for forgiveness? No. no. He went out and hanged himself. Mm. Now, so there's a, there's a repent. He repented, make no mistake, but he recognized, he, he was repentant and sorry about the consequences. Mm. Um, and he didn't see any hope because he hadn't felt the wrong, the mm. sense of the wrongness of what he had done, hadn't hit his heart. Mm. Isn't that a strange thing? Yes. And so instead of repenting and and being forgiven, he went out and hanged himself. Mm. You know, this concept of repentance is so, so important. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to go back to the people of Israel 
and, and their experience in the wilderness, having left Egypt and heading towards a promised land. And we're going to explore repentance at that time. It's found in Deuteronomy 4. And, and what sin, Rosemary, did the Bible or, or did God predict uh, that the people of Israel would get trapped in or deceived by in this, uh, this passage? Okay, we need to read Deuteronomy 4 and chapter 25 to find out what God warned them of. God said, when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. God was telling them, basically, do not get involved in idolatry, in worshipping something or, or someone other than me. I am your creator. Worship me alone. Because all the other nations worshipped idols, carved images and things. And it was a trap. Mm. And so the question, Mike, is how, how did they know that idolatry is wrong? God is warning them that they may get trapped. How did they know it was wrong? That's an interesting question. Because when you think about it, if you've never been involved in idolatry, it just seems so weird to yes. carve something out of a piece of wood and then worship it. Worship it, you know, it makes And then sense. throw the rest of it in the fire. Yes, the fire, yes. <laughs> that's right. It's worth pointing out here, I think, Sven, that when you ask people about that, they'll say, oh, well, we know we're not really worshipping. I've had people say this to me, not really worshipping this thing. Idol, yes. Not the idol. It's just helping us. It's just representing It's a representation, God for yes. But they don't realise that God forbade it and he did it in the Ten Commandments. Mm. So they knew because they had the Ten Commandments. Yes. Mm. And that made it very clear. I mean, I've got Deuteronomy 5 here in verse 8 as it lists the Ten Commandments and it says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, anything any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. That covers the lot. Mm. So we're not to do it, he said. Don't make a likeness and bow down and serve them. Mm. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And he was, in other words, God takes serious exception to being likened to a hunk of stone. Yes. Or a piece of wood, no matter how pretty it's made to look. Yes. And, and that, that is the commandment. But we want to know what was on God's heart when he gave the, these commandments to the people of Israel. Rosemary, can you shed some light on that? Yes, if we go to Deuteronomy 5 and verse 29, it shows what God was thinking. He said, oh, that's a cry of the heart. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments that I might, it might be well with them and with their children forever. God wanted them to worship him so he could bless them and not leave them to be the sport of the devil. Mm -hmm. So Mike, I just want to dive a little bit deeper into this. What is the problem with idolatry? What's so wrong about it? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because people become like the God that they worship. Mm, um, You know, the behavior of the gods or God that we worship Mm influences our behavior. And if people um, bring their understanding of God down to a thing that they themselves have made, Mm. um, we shouldn't be surprised if their behavior deteriorates and goes down to the level of humanity and Mm. worse. Um, And it just concerns me in Deuteronomy chapter six and verse five, still dealing with this similar subject, he says, you shall love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Mm. Um, there's to be a love relationship between us and God. And you, don't, you can't love a thing. I put it to you 
that you might have something, some precious gold object and say, I love it, but we know what we're talking about. This is not a love that's passionate in the heart. Mm. Whereas we can love God in that manner. And you know, we're made in the image of God, the image of a holy God. Mm. And the beauty is that as we worship him, we are drawn to desire to live that kind of life, mm. to be holy people ourselves. Mm. So yes, it matters very much. Mm. Um, the fact that people worship idols, it definitely brings them down and demoralizes the human race who do that. Mm. And when, when we were living overseas um, in other religious areas, we, John used to often say that you do not rise above what you worship. No, that's correct. So if you worship something mm. that's down in the gutter, an animal or another human being or an idol or something, you will not rise above that. Yeah. So Rosemary, the thing is though that God actually predicted that Israel, the people mm. of Israel would fall into idolatry. So was there hope for them? There was when they realized their situation. They first got to realize that in Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 27 and 29, it says this, And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. This is if they fell into idolatry. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. So, so many times people have to get to the, the very bottom of life mm. before they realize where they are. And when, once we realize we have to look up to God and God will pick us up and put us back on our feet if we allow him to do that. And talk about getting to the bottom. I mean, the ancient Egyptians worshipped the scarab beetle. Now, there's another name for a scarab beetle. It's a dung beetle. beetle. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Why would you worship that? Imagine how that is going to bring down your view mm. of what mm. the Almighty is like. Wow. So look up instead to the true That's God. That's right. Don't look down, look up. So true. So, Mike, that, that story sounds familiar. It sounds like there's another amazing story in the Bible, which is very familiar to that. Can you take us to that story? Scraping to the bottom of the barrel. Yes. <laughs> getting your nose yes. on the bottom. Yeah. Um, well, um, you immediately think of the, of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Absolutely. Um, you can't help but go there. Um, here's a young man who, who wanted his inheritance early. Mm. Dad gave it to him. And off he goes and lives on the wild side, spends all his money, suddenly finds himself without anything and goes off and gets a job. And the best he can get is feeding the pigs. Now, for a Jewish boy, that's bad news, very mm. bad. And so while he's there, he comes to himself. And, you know, he hit rock bottom, no question. Mm. And that is when he looked up. That's mm. what you used. That's mm. what you used. Mm. Yes. Looking up and started to re return and retrace his steps. Mm. Talk about a U-turn. Yes. And Rosemary, there's some very important keys that Mike raised for us. Can you take us to biblical verses which would just really ground and validate what Mike is saying here? What's okay. the first step? Let's look at Luke 15, because that's where we are. Luke 15 and verse 17. It says, But when he came to himself and said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He not only came to himself, but when he came to himself, when his understanding was clear, mm. he was in the bottom and he finally decided this is not where I should be. He thought of his father. His father was loving. He was kind. He was a benevolent person. And he finally thought, my father's servants get treated better than I do. Mm. He's a good man. Mm. 
I need to go home and be one of his servants. Mm. He stopped looking at himself and, and how he wanted to be. He started looking at his father. That's how we have to look at God. Mm. We have to start looking at God and how kind and loving he is and that we can come to him. And does that come out in Deuteronomy as well? Yes. When, if we go to Deuteronomy um, chapter 5 and verse 24. Um, uh, where are we? Oh, chapter 5 and verse 24. And it says... And you said, surely the Lord your God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. God is a great God and he wants us to surrender to him. He wants to meet with us. Mm-hmm. If we will meet with him. Yes, mm-hmm. no, that, that's amazing. Is there anything else that we need to know in this journey of repentance? That's what we're exploring today. Yeah, we do. We need to know. We've covered some of this ground. We need to know how deep the the trouble is that we're in as sinners. Mm. We're in trouble. There's no question. Um, And then that's not the only thing that we recognize. We recognize how great God is Mm. Mm. and what an amazing saviour Jesus is, because, you know, there's no we're not worse sinners than he's a saviour. He is a great saviour. So we have we need to recognize that. And that he's a holy, merciful God. That yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Chapter 4, verse 31, still in Deuteronomy, by the way, um, makes that very clear. Um, and he says, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. So mm. um, he's making it very plain. That's how God is. That's who he is. So, so we understand the, the incredible situation we're in. We, we recognize the incredible love of God. And what happens then? What happens after that? OK, let's look at verses 29 and 30, the two verses prior to what uh, was just read by Mike. It says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. The turn there actually means to return. Mm. And it comes from the same word that means repent. Mm. So he's actually saying here, when you turn, when you return to God, when you repent of your sins, then God will be able to hear you and help you. And at return to God that's what repentance is all about, mm. returning to God. Mm. Okay. So, so, Mike, I just wanted to understand this a little bit better here, because is repentance something that we do, we need to do before we come back to God? Is it, mm. is it something that we can generate and, and achieve by ourselves? No, I would say not. Um, I can appeal to my own experience here with the Lord that uh, when I first, um, at the age of 21, came to God, um, and Jesus, um, it was just a sense of a need of God. I had no sense of being a sinner. I think it's something that God gives as we come into his sphere of influence, allow him to touch us through his spirit. And, we, and it's interesting because to begin with, in, in Ephesians 2, mm. verse 1, the apostle Paul writes and he said, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He mm. said you were dead before that. He makes you alive. Mm. So it's a gift from God. I'm still in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, God, who is rich in mercy 
because of his great love with which he loved us. What an amazing thing to know that God is like this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Mm, so mm. It's, a, it's a wonderful thing. So we come as we are. Mm. And then he starts the work of, That's of helping us yeah. to see our situation and our tremendous need of salvation. Mm. And Rosemary, is there anything else that Paul writes that would kind of just confirm this reality? Yes, if we go to Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul wrote, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So it's when we see God's goodness compared to our sinfulness, how bad we are and how much we have fallen away from him, we are drawn back to him in repentance in saying, I have sinned against you. And if we also go to uh, Acts 5, just up a little bit further, Acts 5, uh, chapter 31, it says, Him God has exalted, this is Christ, to his right hand to be prince and saviour, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Mm. So repentance is actually a gift from God. Mm. He gives that to us when we realise our sinfulness mm. compared to himself. Mm. He gives us the gift of the ability and the to irony turn around. Is, oh, sorry. And the, the irony is um, that this doesn't, it's not depressing to recognise you're a sinner. Mm. <laughs> you didn't have a saviour. Yes, it is very <laughs> depressing. But it can be we, scary. Yes, very <laughs> scary. Um, but that recognition is what sets us free. Mm. Mm. And that we come to Jesus then. Mm. And we know that we have a merciful God who forgives us. Mm. Yes. So we, we've really studied this, this process of rede- uh, repentance. Mm. Now I want to explore what happens when we repent. What, what's, what follows from that, um, Mike, uh, if we go back to Deuteronomy? Yeah, you know, I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 30 here in verse 2. Mm. And of course, God is specifically applying this principle to the Israelite nation. And he says, and you return to the Lord. This is um, Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. You return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. Mm -hmm. So here come the promises. God restores what is lost Mm -hmm. by our repentance and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord God has scattered you. So Mm -hmm. all of these blessings come and restoration comes when Mm -hmm. we repent. And, and Rosemary, just a, as we start wrapping up here, uh, what, what do we do? Does that, that mean we can do anything we like? No, Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 tells us that God will circumcise our hearts. He will cut out the sinful stuff. And Ezekiel eleven nineteen says he will take the stony heart out of us and give us a heart of flesh. Going to come naturally. Repentance, turning back to God is a consistent message in the Bible. Moses reminded the people of Israel that they would need to repent. John the Baptist uh, challenged the people by the River Jordan to repent. Jesus commenced his public ministry by preaching a message of repentance. And Peter's powerful Pentecostal appeal was repent and be baptized. I want to appeal to you today. Have you repented? Have you confessed your sins? Would you like to commence the journey towards being baptized? Today's the day of salvation. Don't let this amazing opportunity slip by. 
We're so glad you joined with us today on Let God Speak. If you enjoyed this program, you can watch past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. And you can also download teachers' resources if you're leading your own Bible study group as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, if you want to, you can repent and believe the good news about Jesus. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.